Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, May 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Brexit party storming victory in the European Parliament elections ramps up the pressure for the UK to leave the European Union. Insurer Aviva is preparing to shake up its UK business, and Disney adds its live remake of Aladdin to a run of the top three highest-grossing film openings so far this year. Plus, more than 200 million Americans are suffering from opioid addiction. The FT's Hannah Kushler reports on how tech startups are approaching their treatment. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Brexit party just got a shot of energy from the results of the European parliamentary elections. And the win has sparked panic among conservatives. The Brexit party took 31% of the vote and won 29 seats. This has increased pressure on the divide in the ruling party over whether the UK should leave the EU without a deal. Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt warned that conservatives would be committing, quote, political suicide if they pushed a no-deal exit. But potential party successors to outgoing UK Prime Minister Theresa May, led by Boris Johnson, have endorsed the looming prospect of a no-deal Brexit if no better deal is on offer. This has led to fears the issue could split the ruling party and even bring down the government. The elections came less than a week after Mrs. May announced a new Brexit deal that had the possibility of a second EU referendum. May will be stepping down from her post come June 7th. Brexit party leader Nigel Farage said the EU election results give new life to no-deal Brexit. This is a vote that says, put no-deal Brexit back on the table, make it part of our negotiations, because without that, you've got no chance of getting a sensible free trade deal. And I want us, as the Brexit party, to be engaged in that. Disney's live-action remake of the 1992 animated classic Aladdin was number one at the box office over the U.S. Memorial Day weekend. The movie is directed by Guy Ritchie and stars big names like Will Smith, Mina Masood, and Naomi Scott. Aladdin brought in more than $112 million in the U.S. over the three-day weekend. That's according to box office reporting service Box Office Mojo. Plus, Aladdin drew in more than $207 million around the world on Saturday and Sunday. The movie's top market was China, where it brought in nearly $19 million. With Aladdin's early success, Disney has been behind the top three grossing openings this year with Marvel movies Avengers Endgame, which was the first movie ever to hit a billion dollars at its opening, and Captain Marvel. The box office results come as Disney begins its challenge to streaming services, such as Netflix and Amazon Prime, that have upended Hollywood and traditional media companies. And insurance group Aviva is ready to announce a shakeup next week. The FT reports that new chief executive Maurice Tullock is looking to make Aviva more efficient, and observers say one option is to split its UK business into two parts. One would contain the life insurance division, and the other would be non-life insurance, such as home and car cover. Aviva's UK business is its largest operation. The move to break up its business would reverse the company's 2017 decision to merge the two main arms. 
The combination was designed by previous chief executive Mark Wilson in order to sell a wide range of products to the same customers. But it's believed Mr. Tullock wants to simplify the group. He said during last week's annual meeting, it was, quote, still too complex. And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. The opioid crisis in the United States is a huge public health emergency. In 2017, 130 people died of overdoses every day. There are about 200 million people who are addicted to opioids, and only about a fifth of them are getting treatment. But why are there so few? Some of the issues are about access to treatment. That's the FT's pharma correspondent, Hannah Kushler. Some of them are about social connection, peer-to-peer support, especially if people are in rural areas or they're hiding their addiction from other people, they might not be able to get conventional in-person support in the same way. But Hannah found out through her reporting that some people are seeking out treatment in a very different way. She traveled to Boston to hear about how digital therapeutic apps are treating opioid addicts and told the FT's Amy Keene all about what she found. So in Boston, I met with several entrepreneurs who are looking at these issues of opioid addiction. So I met with Pair Therapeutics, which is the only app to have FDA clearance for helping with treat opioid addiction. They do this on top of the medication and all the entrepreneurs really stress like we're not saying you can replace treatment medication with an app. But they're interesting because they basically use some of the techniques of the tech industry in terms of being able to nudge our behavior in certain directions. Some of the things that we've maybe criticized players like Facebook for, but they use it in order to incentivize people to complete, for example, modules on cognitive behavioral therapy, which are designed to help them cope with their addiction problems. Now, one question I do have is, why has it taken so long for these kinds of apps to actually come to market? Is it a matter of funding? It just seems like the technology has existed as long as we've been on Facebook. I mean, I think there are some broader issues about how long it's taken to address the opioid crisis in general in the US. I think that it's obviously now a big political issue, but it's been brewing for just over a decade. There has been more investment in this field. So Rock Health, which is a research agency that covers digital health startups, says that there's been $300 million going into the space in the last three years. And that was money that just wasn't there beforehand. Um, There's also the issue, which is that when you're dealing with health, you do have to be quite careful. And so a lot of the companies are doing their own clinical trials and clinical trials take a long time, whether they're for apps or drugs. There is a question, though, is do these apps actually work? Or how well do they actually work? So no entrepreneur thinks that they're going to replace treatment medication, but they are all looking at using clinical trials to show that they make either treatment medication or peer-to-peer counselling or in-person medical professional help more effective. And so these are marginal gains in retention in treatment, which is obviously a huge issue. People drop out of treatment all the time. And in preventing relapse, these are not a wonder drug. There is no one to drug for this. Mm-hmm. It does pose the question, though, about user privacy. It's obviously a question that the general public is thinking about in terms of their day-to-day use of other social 
apps, but you're also talking about what could be some very personal information from these users. Is there How are they thinking about privacy? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the advantages of some of these apps is that they are feeding data back to the doctor. So users have to consent to do that if they're going to use them. I think that there are risks in terms of other people getting access to this data because, for example, one of the apps has you label who is a risky contact in your contact book and you don't necessarily want someone to discover that a certain drug dealer has been labelled risky in everyone's contact Mm. books. Mm -hmm. But the risks actually are much less than the risks we see when we develop new drugs, when we're putting you know, new chemicals inside people's bodies. And so it's important to remember that, that even if these are incremental gains, they might be worth trying because they are so much less risky than that. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be watching for the release of the May U.S. Consumer Confidence Survey which will give clues on how strong the economy is looking. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.